Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. What is up, everybody? It's the Fizzle Show. Everybody wants to, but they don't know. Can you find a way through the world that you're growing and you don't want to do the thing that you're trying to show it, but it's got to be the real thing. Got to be legit. You can't go out there smelling like a hot pizza. Let me just take a little moment just to tell you about the show. We're, I'm not going to rap. I, I want to rap it so bad, but I do not trust my ability to fucking rap that. Got a couple out. of good moments there. <laughs> there is there was potential. Let's put it that way. There's no rabbit. There's no cool eye coming. There's no cool eye coming, dude. Shout out to all the old school Fizzle Show listeners who remember the cool eye coming. Got the cool eye. Got the cool eye coming. What's up, y'all? This is the Fizzle Show. Where everywhere every week we talk about things that are interesting to small business builders, right? Because it is uh, it is exhilarating. As my friends Dan and Tom of Studio Neat, they wrote this book called "It Will Be Exhilarating." about what it's like to do a small business particularly they were talking about maker business but like for all of us there's this exhilaration factor when you're able to pull into your emotional sort of i don't know the the ability to feel a kind of excitement and a kind of hope and a kind of um a kind of this might work out (laughs) you know what i mean kind of optimism which is very different than how i've lived most of my entrepreneurial life which is mostly just like nothing's ever going to work out but like i've got this going on right now so i might as well try that (laughs) a kind of dour sort of fear this impending sense of doom which is which is you know they listen this is my story it doesn't might like a lot of people i know do not steph doesn't necessarily have that gear in her like like or not gear but like the uh that <laughs> sort of that that toxic sludge <laughs> sliding along the top, and I think maybe she would end up saying, "Yeah, you don't see all the times that mm-hmm. I'm that I'm battling my own emotional journey as an entrepreneur," because that's really what this show's about. Is it's like it's about the emotional journey of the entrepreneur. It's about a lot more than that. We get into very specifics because so much of what <laughs> what the emotions of being an entrepreneur are rely on is whether or not you are capable, are intelligent, are. Uh, tuned in to what needs to be done in a business, right? How businesses are growing, how they get started. What is the important thing? I think of that one book from, I can't remember who it was, Corbett, some business guy, but it was like the hard thing about hard things. Mm-hmm. And this, this thing that's, in, that's become like a mantra in like big business world about like, what's the hard thing about this. Like Seth Godin talks a lot about that. Like what is the hard thing about this thing you're trying to do? And then just crush that hard thing. Like focus on that and do that thing first, right? And make it really good. A lot of entrepreneurship is like that. And if you don't know what the hard thing is, you're just kind of spraying and praying. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You're just literally like just just like hoping that one of these things starts to work. And by the way, that is a viable business strategy. This is what the VCs are doing all the time is they have lots and lots of money. They're spraying and praying in in a lot of different companies because one or two of them might hit and when they do that's where they make all their money. And all the other ones they were they were just, you know, they're the cost of doing business. They're research and development. Sure, but right? that's how the, go for it. Yeah, but the the VCs get to do that because they have, you know, dozens and dozens or hundreds of bets to make whereas exactly. you as the entrepreneur don't have the luxury of failing 80 times to find the one success, right? You, you have a lot right. fewer times to fail. So I'm excited about the conversation today. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because exactly that, like it's that, that feeling of like, you're actually in the hot seat. Like you actually are like, this is, this is like, it's your call, bub. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? It's your, it's, it's your call. And that's exhilarating. That's empowering. It's also terrifying. Terrifying. And if you're, if you're shrinking from that, but only reaching out and little like, oh, well, maybe if I try this, maybe if I try that, like, it's just, it, it, it's gonna, like, it's not like some people try it like that and it starts to work and they slowly over time just get grow the confidence, grow the capability, grow the, the, the sense of, of self, the sense of, um, of purpose, the sense of conviction. You know what I mean? I think this is really what I want more people to have is that you don't need to be an entrepreneur to have that. Like, and that's more important than being an entrepreneur, a sense of self, sense of confidence, sense of purpose in life, sense of commitment in your relationships that you're like glad about. You don't feel resentful about, right? Just like getting out from under the shadow of living in, you know, resentment or fear or just depression, which is was my experience for so long. And when you're an entrepreneur, you're going through all of these decision-making moments, all of this strategy where you're like, I don't know, what do I want to do? What do, what should I start up next? What should I this, that, and the other, right? And what we're going to talk about today is directly going to, to uh, give you a model of, of how you can think about the way, re- like a model for how businesses are actually growing today. Okay. Back in the day when there was like, you know, business, if you, if you study like the history of business back in the day, business was about like, you know, creating a railroad or something. That's what they called business. Everything else, like everything else was like shops. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? There's like a cobbler and like the cobblers, like his father was a cobbler and his father before him was a cobbler. And there's like industries like that. That's different than, than, than business and that village mentality. Then there was like the Rockefellers. Then there was industry. Then there was, you know, <laughs> England just stealing all of the tea from Sri Lanka and, <laughs> and, and pillaging like all of the places in the world and just getting resources and bringing them back and selling them. And it was just, is again, it's just resources and value. And so you start thinking about things on this big global sort of perspective. That's where like the history of business training is, but it's not very useful. It's kind of useful, but it tends not to be that useful for when we're trying to do these independent businesses, when we're trying to do these independent businesses, especially in the age of the internet. In the age now where like every single person that you, that like, it, like if you just marketed to people who have a smartphone, right, which is basically, you know, like billions of people now, you can, you can get access to those people if you're making content that they're interested in. If you're talking about something that they find is valuable in their life, if they're finding you in any way and you are doing something that gets their attention enough such that they start getting curious, they start feeling like you're doing something for them, right? Like they're getting something from you. And that's where this, this sort of businessy relationship grows to where you might be able to get them to actually purchase things from you, right? Um, and and to do that in a way where you have a business on the other side instead of just like, you know, a flash sale that happened to work that one time, but then it like, then like we, we, we sabotaged all the relationships or whatever. So it's not, it's not a continuing business. It's not a sustainable thing. The point that I'm actually getting to is this is, is what it's like to grow a business today is different than it was like last year. 
and the year before that. Like all these new trends uh, have been slowly evolving. And today we're going to learn about a model of, uh, of we're going to talk about like what courage and clarity has gone through. And we're going to talk about one specific thing. Courage and clarity, in case you don't know, is Steph's podcast that she started up. How long ago, Steph? January 2017. So I guess coming up on two years in January. Okay. So coming up on almost two years, right? It's just been, you know, it started really easily as a podcast. We're doing that. Mm-hmm. We're building, building like, like the content, the interviews, kind of like talking to the ladies. It was talking to a particular kind of person that wasn't necessarily being interviewed everywhere else. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It was, it was really these businesses that are breaking now that are popping now female led businesses and what they're learning. Right. So what Steph has recently discovered, I, we started talking about it before we pressed record and I just, we just all felt like it was just such an interesting, such an interesting moment in her business. So maybe Steph, like I, I actually, one place I would love to jump in is just tell us about this retreat that Mm -hmm. you're doing and just what it has felt like to just be putting that together. You guys, I'm so nervous to talk about this. I feel like the people are getting like the raw edit. This is like, I want everyone to know I'm experiencing everything we're going to talk about, like very much in real time. So if people, if people relate to this, I am like, so in the middle of it. This is not one of those things where I'm like looking back. I'm, I'm right smack in the middle of trying to figure this out. I mean, literally before we pressed record, you guys were like, what's on your mind, Steph? And this is kind of what came out. So, um, so for me, I, over the past, what's uh, six months, seven months, something like that. I have just tried a bunch of different things with the business. And um, I would say like 90% of the time, like I talk about a lot here on the show and everywhere, I just kind of follow what sounds good and interesting and energetically exciting for me, which works really, really well, but also means that I'm always working on a lot of stuff. And um, in particular, so at the time of this recording coming up this weekend, I'm hosting uh, my first retreat, my first in-person retreat, ever in Austin, outside of Austin, Texas with uh, a good friend of mine, good entrepreneur friend of mine is co-hosting it with me along with 14 women who have uh, decided to come and join us. And this was a really cool opportunity. It started, um, for those of you who also listen to Courage and Clarity, you guys know I'm talking about the Bisdom series on Courage and Clarity this summer. I brought my friend Megan Hale onto the show uh, to talk about business wisdom. And I kept accidentally saying Bisdom. And so it became Bisdom. <laughs> and awesome. it kind of became, it really was. And it kind of became this like culty little thing in my community. And it Uh, It was a really fun series that I just literally wanted to do as a fun experiment with a friend that I jam with business about anyway. So I was like, this is, we should just turn on the microphone for this. Let's just do it. Take listener questions. And the result uh, got great feedback. Now, the cool thing I think as a sidebar is like, did it reach, you know, tons and tons of people? No, I don't necessarily think it grew the audience the way that maybe some of the interview shows do. Like when you get a big guest, you get like a big hit of new listeners. But it, as we've talked about a couple episodes, I think this is one of those projects I worked on that made me go deeper with my current listeners, which was really cool. Mm. So um, I think one day in the community that I have on Facebook, the free Facebook group that goes along with the podcast, someone was like, we need a Bisdom retreat. And uh, my friend Megan and I were like, well, we haven't met in person. We're really good friends online. Like, what if we just see if people want to go to a retreat (laughs) where we talk about business and there's photography and a chef and it's just like a really great experience for, you know, exclusively for women. And um, that ended up selling out. We had 14 spots and um, that's happening this weekend. And so uh, the reason I think we started talking about this is number one, because it's coming up for me. 
Um, but also because this is something that I feel really lucky that I get to work on and that has happened so organically. And it came totally from, like I said, experimentation. I know I'm talking about it flippantly, like, oh, it just happened. But it's honestly kind of the case. I mean, it's really what went down is it was just something that I played with that we just sort of stumbled into. And fortunately, it feels like it's going to work this time. Um, That's the positive side of it. The underbelly of that, which is the conversation I'm interested in processing with you guys, is this is now you know, I don't know, I've lost track. Maybe you have too. (laughs) how many projects I've worked on with Courage and Clarity, especially as of late. I mean, I've carried a full one-on-one client load at certain points. I've run three group programs. I've launched a a huge course and now I'm running a retreat. And this like literally that timeline starts in February of the same year. And now it's October. So this is a lot. Um, it's, it's been like a bunch of different things. I've felt like I've just thrown a ton at the wall. And while I feel extraordinarily grateful that most of these experiments have panned out in a way that most people on the outside would see as successful, the result of that as a CEO, as an owner of my own business is taxing in a lot of ways. And so it's interesting because I think the energy has shifted for me, whereas it started with, let's just try it all. Like I'm so excited. Let's just get in the game and, and see what, see what happens. I feel my energy shifting to a place where it's like, okay, now it's time to kill stuff. <laughs> like after this retreat's <laughs> over, like it's time to just focus and go, you know, I, I'm like craving that simplicity after feeling like there's just, I'm out of hands to juggle with essentially. So I know I just said a lot, but that's exactly where I'm at. And um, it's just, there are so many hard decisions to be made. Like I think of so many things that I want to be involved in and I love doing it all, but I can't help. Like there's this little voice inside that keeps getting louder at this point. That's like, Steph, you've only scratched the surface on how successful any one of these things can be. Like, yes, they all feel successful, but if like, this question keeps coming up for me, which is like, but what would happen if I were like, instead of so fractured and fragmented, if I took all of my energy and just poured it into this one direction, which is really what I want to be doing anyway, then what would happen? I, I, I'm becoming more and more a believer that that's what makes you poised to do a quantum leap. You don't necessarily put in more and more effort. It's about having the focus in the right direction when the, the next level becomes possible. Okay, so this is amazing. I'm hearing you say that, like, um, that up to now, you've, you've, like, really, you've kind of almost been, not, not like frantic is the word, but you've tried, you've been trying a lot of things. Can you list out, like, a few of the things that you've been trying? Like, you mentioned a full client load. Yeah, I've done one on one. I've done one on one business coaching. I launched a a course, like, a, a successful course that had 100 students enrolled. I've launched, I'm on my third group program. I have this retreat. I have the podcast. I do work with Fizzle. I mean, seriously, like there's got to be 10 different revenue streams at this point. <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot yeah. of, it's a lot of stuff in the air at once. And those all came up sort of like naturally over time as you're like, Oh, you heard, you see someone do a group coaching sort of package or something like that, or, or a group program of some kind. And you're like, well, well, let's try that. And then you, you think about doing it, you learn about it, you, you try it, you do it. You just same thing with the clients. Like I could probably get like, people are reaching out to me to, to be their coach. Like I could Mm -hmm. start doing that and you start doing that and you try these things. Um, and that all, each of those have kind of like developed kind of organically. It's like, you're really good at this at like, at seeing some, some opening that like, you're like, I want to put something there. 
right? Mm-hmm. And, and, or are you seeing someone else do the group coaching or, or the one-on-one or, or people are reaching out to you and, and it gives you an idea and you're like, well, I want to do that. Like, let's do that yeah. too. And yeah, it's like it's, a let's, let's do that too. Let's do that too. Let's do that too. Yeah. It's more so that last piece of, um, of people reaching out or having like a sense from the people that are paying attention to what I'm doing. You know, my community, when they express a need or an interest, I tend to want to play with that, right? Because I, and that's the thing is I, I do think I do a, a really good job of staying close. This is like something I never anticipated. I do a great job of staying close to that need and that heartbeat, but there is a, just like yeah. anything in life, there is a flip side to that. There's like a dark side of that, which is then being like, well, now they want this and they want this and now they want that. Yeah, right, and right, uh, right. I don't want to miss out on any of those opportunities. I, I um, have so many goals for where I want to take things. I want to grow the audience. I want to, of course, I want to grow the revenue and I want the community to love what I do. So whenever I see that opportunity, it's been incredibly difficult to me to um, say, you know what? No, like that, that could definitely lead to something, but we're just going to, we're focused over here right now. That is not, up yeah. until this point, not been my strong suit. And it's only now where I can feel like I've, st- I do not see one-on-one clients anymore. And that's like new and people will, yeah. uh, will approach and say like, can I hire you? And I have to say, this is not an option right now. And that's been yeah. <laughs> difficult for me. Um, but, and, and, and the interesting thing about it is up until this point, I haven't wanted to say no. And I don't know if that's an essential part of the journey. Maybe that's part of our conversation here. But for me, um, getting to the to the point where the business is maturing a little bit more, man, I'm like just so the the energy has shifted from being excited about doing all the things. Now the excitement for me is around like taking a machete to things. And so it's really yeah. interesting to feel not just the the business model change, but also the energy in with me at the helm in terms of how I'm approaching it. Right. Right. Totally. So I don't know, this is, this is, first of all, this is just awesome to, to hear your perspective on it because I think it's a moment where we're going to talk about this moment, this transition where we go from trying things out to, to like having a deeper sense of, of what I call like a kind of a conviction, almost uh, just an internal motivator of some kind that like you said, like now I'm getting a little bit like, I want to kill it mode. Like I want to, I want to kill what's unnecessary and I want to kill what's right. Like I want to kill it. Like I want to. (laughs) That's what a comedian calls, you know, the comedians are always like, dude, I killed, I killed, do you know what I mean? I killed. It's literally like, I kill, I want to, like, I want to crush this. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I want to nail this thing. Right. It's like, it's like killing all of the, all of the things that don't need to be there. Right. That Mm -hmm. aren't essential because you're realizing that like with this old classic piece of, of fizzle wisdom that we would always talk about is like, the quality of every like of every single thing that you're saying yes to in your life, the quality of all of those comes down the moment you bring another yes into your life. Yes, because it, you're working with a, a, like a finite sense of energy every day. You know. Yeah, and I think for the longest time, and I know people out there relate to this. Like, I just didn't want to believe that. <laughs> like, I just want, yeah. I mean, and I did. Like, I would say that to anybody else, and I would say it with full conviction, but. I've always, I mean, I don't know if it's just the way that it's always been for me or if it's just the nature of being newer in business or both, but I, you know, I was like, yeah, like yeah, that, but, but I can probably make it work. You know, that's always right. like the, what's one more, like throw it on what the do pile. You think, what do you, what do you think that's from? Like what for you personally, what, where does that, where does that nudge like going like, well, maybe it'll probably work out or like we could do like, I still want to do it. Like, what do you, what do you think that is? Cause I mean, really that's what we're talking about in a lot of ways here. Like what is the thing for you, Steph, that, that has made you sort of curious, open, interested in in these new ideas. Mm-hmm. I think it's what I've started to identify as like the, the, the treadmill, the entrepreneurial treadmill, where when you're uh. in a situation of 
in uh, technically like infinite revenue. Um, you know, like if you could see infinite clients, you would just keep making money. Um, it's really hard to, to consciously like be like, yes, I know that that's true. Uh, but I caught, but I'm like choosing to walk away from that. Um, and even if you know and believe in some part of you that like there could be better opportunity if you were focused, I think it's hard to deny what's right in front of you. Sometimes it's like the easy money versus the long-term vision. Um, so that's a part of it. Also for me, like the FOMO thing is just in there for sure. Like anytime there's, you know, it could be something small, like people I respect, this has happened to me recently, people I really respect asking me to be part of their mastermind. And I'm like, Oh, I like, I don't actually really feel like I need a mastermind right now. Okay. I've been in a mastermind. I've been in one for like 18 months. We're taking a little break because we've helped each other for so long. And then this new one, this new opportunity comes and it's like, I want to, because it's, like a cool thing, but you know, in your gut when you don't need something, if that makes sense. Um, so I've always struggled to honor, to honor that voice when you never know for sure, like, Oh, but like what's behind door number two. So part of it's curiosity for me, part of it's wanting to have it all. And, um, I also just think I'm one of those people and maybe this is true for all the entrepreneurial types, but I'm genuinely curious, um, about playing with different stuff. And so that shiny object syndrome is there because new stuff is fun. You know, that feeling when you're at the start of a new project, Project. Um, I know I'm kind of weird. Uh, not everybody feels this way, but I actually really like selling <laughs> and it's my background. And so sometimes yeah. com- I come up with new things because I like to see if I can sell them. So I've had to get comfortable with that as like a truth about me and realize that just because that's something that I enjoy doing doesn't mean that I need to continue doing it all the time. Right. It's not like you're, you're like what it makes me think of, to be honest, is it makes me think of, uh, of these curious ideas or this genuine curiosity that you're speaking of. Sometimes for me, it is, it's a place for my ego to be like, like to try to, you know, to get some, some validation. Do you know what I mean? Like if I can do yeah. this thing and it works, then it's like, well, then that's more, that's more like, you know, that's more proof that like, I am one of the good ones totally. <laughs> or whatever uh, it is. You know, that's like the, the deep, dark, like conversation that's going on in, in my psyche somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, that's one of the things that draws me in is like, if I could get this to work, then I'd be proving to everybody again that I'm a somebody mm-hmm. and that I'm a somebody and that I'm a somebody. And that's just me. Um, personally, the, but the, whatever it is that draws us into that curiosity, you know, that, that interest, it's almost like it sounds like what's been developing for you is you are talking about this other voice that's now being like audible. Like you can hear this other one showing up. It's like, do you really need this though? Do yeah. you like, is this a, like you're, you're getting kind of exhausted by doing all of this stuff. And yeah. it, like, so what is it? Is it exhaustion? That is, that is really the, the thing. It makes me laugh. It's kind of funny for me because I, I think I relate to what you just said, Chase. I also feel like I get like a little bit of a thrill. I think in entrepreneurship, I think a lot of us probably get our thrills in different places, so to speak. And for me, I love chasing down the S. I just do. I, this is just, like I said, I came up like in the sales world. It's my favorite part. And what's happened to me too many times now is I think yeah. I've learned the hard way is I get on the other side of that yes. <laughs> And there's like a whole bunch of work that I do not want to do. And so I've had to like limp through that and be like, oh my gosh, this is so not worth that like initial thrill or that feeling of validation, like you said, because that's absolutely tied up in there for me. I think 
when you get to the point when you've done a lot of work that you're like, I do not, this is the point I'm at now. And and I want to preface this by saying, I feel like the all of the super hard work that I've done has allowed me to say this now that I don't want to do any work that I don't want to do anymore, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And maybe I could have started totally. out with that. Um, but I feel like I'm in a position now where it's like, okay, you know, things are good. I can be choosy and I should be choosy because I, beca- yeah. you know, I, I walk down this path because I want to call the shots. And a few times I've found myself, you know, being on the hook for a bunch of things that I don't really want to do. And so that has been really eye opening for me. So I feel like now I'm starting to pass everything through that filter is like, okay, right. if you go down this path, like, do you really want to do the work that's on the other end of that? And if the answer is no, I think it's time to get really ruthless about saying, saying that hard no. Right. And it's like really a, uh, it feels very much like this maturity factor that starts coming online. Yes. Where it, 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 like the stakes kind of get raised. The stakes kind of get raised because you're like, now you've got something that you really want to crush. Like you're talking about, I just want to work on this one project. Yep. Um, and, and you're feeling it more and more. Like anytime you're working on something else, it's like, why am I working on this? This is working at the, on, on the same problem at a level that's not nearly as, efe- as efficient or effective as that other thing that I've been trying to get through. Why am I not spending this energy on that right now? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like this, this simplification and this maturification of, of like a particular desire and whatever, some project. But that is in total dialogue with how much you think you can actually make it succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how, like, how, cause when you, when you make yourself sort of, um, rely more heavily on one income source than, than particular, than like the spray and pray, pray model, right? Um, it's, it's a little, there's some scariness there too. There's some grown upness that comes with that. Like, what can I count on with this? But now you've experienced so, like enough of how this all works that you're starting to get a sense of like, no, like, like, like we can make that work. Like yeah. we can try that. We can try to make that work. I think we'll, we'll probably be able to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's pretty heavy. It's pretty like, like it's, it's just grown up. Do you know what I mean? It's a kind of, it's a kind of mindset that I'm always wanting to help people to get into. It's a kind of mindset I'm wanting to get into for myself as well. I mean, like, like I'm, I deal with the same stuff all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and it's really, it is, and I've been dealing with that same stuff for a long time. It feels like, Mm -hmm. you know, like what do we work on today? What do we work on today? What do we work on this season? What is important? What is the project that is asking to be like, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about it, like, and so does Stephen Pressfield about how these ideas, they're just kind of going through the ether and then they find you. And so it's like the, the, this thing wants to come through and it wants to come through me. And they use that language. Do you know what I mean? Almost like this, like, you know, channeling or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, a culty type of language. But in my own creative, in my own experience with whatever, being a, a, a professional creative, it's not. It's a it's a nice way of looking at it. like yeah it's like it might not be true exactly but at the same time like think about it that way it helps me to surrender to it more helps me to go like all right if I'm really going to put my ass on the line for this thing which it feels like I'm being asked to do and I'm curious about that I think that'd be really fun and interesting like I personally am interested in it you know then it's like okay how do we get serious about this 
How do we mm-hmm. be smart about doing this thing to give it the best possible chance of success? Which is a very different perspective than the spray and pray, the like sort of explore and discover stuff. Do you know what I mean? I just see like you've been in such an explore and discover phase for so yeah. long. Like what what can I do? What can this audience do? What are they interested in? What like what are my options here? Right. And I think that's just so normal. And yeah. natural, and I love when people feel like they have the freedom to like let their business evolve like that with them, you know? Yeah. It's just interesting too, though, because, you know, you hear that turn of phrase that's what got you here won't get you there. Right. And I yeah. think there does come a point where that's, that's reality. And I'm looking at the level that I'm at and I'm like so thrilled with how it's all gone down. But, you know, you think about scaling, which is something that is really tricky and <laughs> something that a lot of people have questions about, I know. And you look at like, the body of work and the effort that you've put in thus far. And you like, for me, at least I know where it is that I want to go. Like I can see it so clearly. I'm also looking in the rear view mirror saying, yeah, no, this, this, this can't, like <laughs> this can't happen. Right. And so that just opens up a whole new world of questions where it's like, okay, if I see where it is that I want to go and I know that what I've done so far is not going, this is not a linear path. This had like the game has to totally change. And yeah. um, it's a scary moment, which is why I, I started by saying it's kind of nerve for me to talk about because I'm like totally uh, it's a new frontier for me um, so it's weird it's a weird thing because I think up until this point like it's been a lot of elbow grease and I know a lot of people out there can so relate to that and so then changing the mindset from just like okay I'm gonna hustle this out I'm gonna make it work I'm gonna you know like like you said Chase show the world or myself or whoever that, that I can make it successful now I've lo- I'm looking at all the projects and like okay we've made them successful. Like that's no longer the problem. <laughs> like right. we don't need to prove that anymore. And now it's like, but where, what, where's the limit of possibility? And right. the big question, like I said, is what would happen if like, that just keeps coming up for me. What would happen if, you know, beside the, the, the level of success that I've been able to attain, which I think is impressive by most standards, but I want, like, I, I, th- I see it going so much further and I simultaneously know that that's not possible without switching it up. So mm. yeah, it's weird. Okay, so one of the things I want to I want to switch gears here, but first before we get into the next phase of the conversation, uh, I just want to plant a very firm pole in the ground and remind people about how long you just did like the podcast, like you were just like eighteen months basically of just episodes. Mm-hmm. And how often do you did you publish episodes? Once a week, I think before I ever offered anything paid. I think I was close to 80 episodes, 70 for sure. Okay. So it was just all of this work of actually being in the conversation and being in the content uh, production schedule effectively, which you found out a way like, like every smart, like content maker to make it fun for you, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? To make it actually interesting for you, but it still was work. And it's and then and remember when you were editing the episodes yourself and you learned a lot from that and mm. then it was like I'm done with that now I've learned what I needed to from that and I'm glad that I don't have to do that anymore myself right you know what I mean? it's like you learned so many things through that process that like that and that was all beginnings of this kind of learning you know of this of of this lesson of this sort of bigger lesson that's coming up but it was it was really a a like I'm just putting it out there that like there was real significant commitment and work going on towards this goal, not missing episodes, not missing weeks, doing this thing, whether you felt like it or not. And and the whole work was, was doing the work to feel like doing this work. Yep. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like doing the work to feel like doing the work and to be enjoying doing it is, is really 
is really to me that is what like real uh, you know creative living is and and mm-hmm. it's and it's magic and it changes like everything about your life but that is i just bring that up because um i think a lot of people are prone and i'm one of them to hear people and go like oh man it's just their it's just that person's attitude and their confidence and their mindset that got them to where they are and that's totally true it totally is but we're really quick to to like call someone privileged or call someone um, like they had it easier than me in some mm-hmm. way, shape, or form, and and really not see like really not see the 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 real you know grinding it out that took place, you know the real like the place where you actually got your muscles toned up and your your you know your your skills and your tactics and your all of this stuff because it goes beyond the just doing the podcast. It was also all the training that you were doing in sales, all of the mindset stuff, and all of the way that you've sort of found your path before then too. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, there's all of this grindage, (laughs) as Polly Shore would say, grindage, buddy. You got the grindage, you know? (laughs) I follow Polly Shore on Instagram now, by the way. And his mom just died and she was like an icon in the comedy scene. She ran the comedy store. Anyways, it's been a really interesting story watching Polly Shore like grieve and then like just do his life (laughs) and see him on Instagram, which is like mostly just, Mostly it's like a sad thing. <laughs> Mostly it's a sad thing, I'll say. Um, anyways, grindage, back to the matter at hand. So the point is, you you were doing real work. This moment that you're in now came out of real work. And I want to just show people that like, that like, hey, there is real work to be done and you can get lost in just doing work without having your head up and looking at where you're going and deciding on if you're going in the direction you want to be going. Because that's where you are right now, Steph, is just having this real sense of like, am I going where I want to be going? Having a vision develop, you know, just like in your goals course, like the goals are already in you. They've been developing for years. You've already probably had right. them go through your head like countless times as you as you quickly sort of shove them away to go like, oh, I don't need, I need to make sure I go get water from Costco because we're running out or whatever it is, you know? Um, like, do we just, like the goals, we, we just constantly deflect them out. The vision, we just kind of constantly are like afraid to embrace it or something because we don't feel confident, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for good reason, you know, they're like, yeah, you're scared of doing that for a lot of reasons. And so you were doing that work. You were grinding that out. You were actually building your confidence. You build your confidence through the work. Right. And then your new sense of confidence, like instruct, like gives you more power to see your vision or something like that. And then that changes what the work is that you're spending time on. Right. It's this both and thing. It's like there's your vision. There's like your head and your hands. (laughs) You know what I mean? But they go through your heart. And they connect through your heart. I could go on this for days and days and days. And I just fucking, because I love it. I see, I really see it as like a principle, as a principle. And you can come at it from either direction where you just grind it out for a while. And then, and over time, your desire, your vision grows. Or you can go like, uh, like a lot of us just grab the journal and go off to Starbucks and put on cigarettes for the gladiator soundtrack and just kind of like zonk out and go like, and just feel the dream. You know, just feeling the dream. And both sides of these, both ways, you can make mistakes on both sides. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You can totally make mistakes on both sides. The, in this workshop that I was doing, they call it the difference between intention and mechanism, right? Intention is that is your journal, is your like, this is what I want. This is my dream. This is my, this is my, and, and, and when you, a lot of times you feel like if I could just get clarity enough on that, I could really do it. But the clarity comes out over time yes. as you're really doing it. Do you know yes. what I mean? And so once it's, it's all about the relationship to time, it doesn't happen right now. 
it, it happens in an income. It's in, it's incomplete, but really happening right now. And so like you work towards that direction that, you know, without having to be 100% certain, like you never mm-hmm. knew at any step of the way stuff that it was going to work. Oh my God. You know that's, what I mean? that's what I'm sitting here thinking about right now is like, and, and if I had waited for that, there's just no chance. I would never even have bought a microphone. It never would have happened. And what, what I'm realizing as we're talking about this is I think, cause you mentioned, you know, I did grind it out for a while and that's true. But I think the trick is to find something that doesn't feel so much like grinding. It's always felt mo- oh my, of course there were weeks where I did not want to do it, but for the very most part, it's always felt like tinkering to me. It's always been like something I want to fiddle with. And so, and I think about like two big, the two big through lines for me have been the podcast and now the course, which is really the direction that I want to go in. And when I compare the two, they're both like, it's beyond, I can't even explain it. It's beyond just an idea. It's like a compulsion. It's like, it's like something Mm. I can't not do. Okay. It's like you use the words coming through me. Right. And it it, it is like that. It's like, you've got your hands on the Ouija board, not to be weird about it, but that is how it feels. It feels like the thing I can't not work on when I go to sleep. I'm thinking about it in a fun way, not in a stressful way. When I wake up, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about what I want to say and what story I want to tell and how I'm going to grow it. It's like what I do for fun in my brain, which maybe is weird. I don't know, but that's just how it's all like, that's how that path has always manifested for me is it really feels like the thing that I can't not do. And so I think there's something there in terms of when you think about entrepreneurship and and how you're going to stay in it for the long haul, because you do have to find something that, that has that quality to it or else it's just it's just not there. It's just, you're not going to be able to put one foot in front of the other without having all the answers. And I think that that is, is the trick. When I look at the projects that have worked, I've never needed it to work, if that makes sense. And and maybe that Mm -hmm. does, I don't mean for that to come off as like, to sound like a privilege thing, because it's not, it's more of making sure that my bread is buttered, I guess, or making sure that I know that I'm taken care of and then like allowing the experimentation to come from a place of detachment. I think that's also key. When you see people kind of white knuckling it and having that desperate quality to it, I don't think that's like, I don't think good things can grow there. So mm-hmm. that's been something I've been thinking a lot about is like whatever you can do to get yourself to like this retreat, for example, I know I talk about it as in like, oh, it just filled up, but that's because I didn't need it to fill up. <laughs> and yeah. that doesn't mean I didn't work super, super hard somewhere else, but putting yourself in that position where you have that level of detachment, where if it is an epic flop, that's okay. I think mm-hmm. finding a way to that is huge. It's, it's been essential for the, for this story anyway. Yeah. So I hear you saying the, the, what, what I've heard a lot of people give the shorthand language of, of, um, your, uh, you're not clinging to the results of the thing. Totally. You have an openness about the results of it and an interest in doing the work. And let's, just, let's see what the results are like. And and it, it for like, like we'll see, we'll burn that bridge when we get to it. Like, like right now it feels like this is the right direction. I feel good about it. Our prospects are good. I like the way you say like my bread's already buttered. And yeah. part of buttering my bread is getting to work on this because it's a fun thing. I'm curious about it. I'm interested in it. I'm, I spend time thinking about it. I, I'd like to see it work, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Corbett, you've been so patient and, and sitting over there whilst having literally all the answers because you're someone that has, ba- like to me, you balance this really well because, um, and Steph mentioned this in our, right before we pressed record, when she was talking about, I, 
Steph, talk about what you what you were saying when like it's like oh wait this is why yeah, we yeah. never did the coaching thing in Fizzle. Yes, I'm I'm excited to hear what Corbett has to say in general, but I, I just it's given me new perspective. You know, having worked worked with Fizzle for over three years at this point, I look back on some decisions that I see now are very strategic. Where you know, for example, we could take one on one coaching. Sure, I mean, I'm sure the demand is there, but we we haven't. We've stayed very focused on. We certainly have tried different things over time no question but i like the more i pursue this business the more i can see the mission and corbett's mission really being like that through line and i know that that requires a lot of really difficult decisions along the way because there's no shortage of opportunities that pop up the deeper and deeper you get into building something and so and so the idea here is is we could have like gotten the entry Corbett started fizzle when we, when we originally started it with this sense of, uh, of, of a vision there that meant like, cause you, cause Corbett had done a lot of client work and stuff like that. And you knew what that was like. And you're just like, I have a big, I have this vision where it's like, I don't ever have to feel like I'm doing that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so, uh, Corbett, am I making sense talking about like the, uh, are you picking up where, what I'm, what I'm heading towards here? Yeah, I think so. I was like, talk, talk a little bit about like, about how in the vision for fizzle and even think trafficker before how your relationship to this sense of like, well, I want to build this particular kind of thing and then staying on course towards that thing, um, over time. Yeah. And, and by the way, I just, I was enjoying listening to you guys so much that I literally was this close to forgetting that I was actually on this podcast. I thought I was just <laughs> listening to a podcast. I thought you were going to cool. say you fell asleep. Like I was, no, I was listening to like a, a recorded version. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it may, it may just be my leadership style or my preference or something to focus so much, but you know, I know that having worked with you and Steph and Barrett and Caleb and others that, at times, you know, some of you may have felt frustrated by the fact that we weren't doing certain things like one-on-one coaching or hosting a conference or hosting a retreat or something like that. And, you know, I, I was listening to Steph talk about how she has this natural inclination to try to get the sale and to say yes. And then afterwards, realizes like, oh wait, there's a lot of work here, right? To do this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and we saw this with like um mastermind matching, which is something we started to offer um maybe almost two years ago or a year and a half now. And we've done it several times and and we will do it in the future. But that's one of those things that, you know, there's there's demand. Um people in our community would love to be matched up into mastermind groups. And uh it's something that we're capable of doing. And then you can say yes to that. And actually the upfront part of that, the selling part of that, especially when you have a built-in audience, that becomes pretty easy. You know, we could yeah. we could get a bunch of people to a conference or a retreat and we can sell out mastermind matching and and we could probably have a really deep uh one-on-one client list for coaching. But even though we had a team, it's so easy to um let that energy that you desperately need to stay focused on the bread and butter and the thing that you believe is your long-term vision, your long-term strategy. It's really easy to let that energy just go off to the next shiny thing because as Steph was finding like in the beginning, it's so fun when you're, Mm -hmm. when you're new to things to say yes, and then just go see what that's like, right? Let's go see, let's go follow that energy. And 
you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe that is a, a better way to go about it. But even though you have a team, uh, you're still strapped for resources. It's the craziest thing. But even though you, you know, the difference you would think between having one person on a team and having like five people on a team should be yeah. that you can get five times more things done, but it just doesn't work that way for some reason. Yep. And, uh, you still yeah. have to be yeah. really careful about what you're saying yes to. And, and just try to put a, um, stake in the ground and say, I believe this is our long-term future. Of course, at some point, you know, we're six years into fizzle now. Um, maybe you have to recognize that things, um, that, that there is more exploring to do because you haven't achieved that full long-term vision yet. But, you know, it, it definitely, um, serves you for a while to try to have that, uh, that conviction that this is, I believe, the direction we're going. And so we're going to head there for a couple of years, even though there are all these other opportunities that come our way. Uh, it, there's a book coming out from Jason Freed and, and David Hanemeyer Hansen, DHH. I didn't, I haven't read it. I don't, I don't think it's out yet. I just saw a couple of tweets yesterday and one of the central concepts from it, uh, was something he calls JOMO. And this, you could call this conversation today almost the transition from FOMO to JOMO, which is the fear of missing out is the thing you deal with in the beginning. And then later you get to the joy of missing out, which is oh, man. having this confidence that it's okay to say no to these things and you should embrace that and, and, um, enjoy that feeling that, you know what? I don't have to say yes to everything. And I can, and I mm-hmm. know that even though we're saying no and I might be letting some people down or whatever, it's all for the greater good. And simplicity is such a beautiful thing. Uh, dude, that's such a big, so Steph in our, before we press record, you mentioned the FOMO energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we hear about like, so I think that's just really instructive for a lot of people. If you can tell about your experience as you're experiencing it right now, the difference between what would, what like being motivated from more of a FOMO point of view versus more of that JOMO point of view. I can't believe I'm saying that as a sentence and just letting it roll, but it's like, <laughs> it's true. It's like FOMO or JOMO. It just sounds like such a thing that like I would walk into my dad's like a bunch of baby boomer executives in a, like sitting in a U shape, uh, you know, desk in some hotel, uh, you know, conference like room or something like that. And I'm on a, like, got a big white a big board or a big like you know one of those big paper big sticky note paper thing that coaches use you know on the easel on the little cheap easel and i'm writing down like fomo and then a line and then jomo let's talk about the transition from fomo to jomo (laughs) do you know what i mean it just seems like one of those like executive training things but it's legit it's a real thing tell me about your experience uh, how the, how you experience both of those differently as you're just hearing as I am about this idea of the joy of missing out. Mm, I mean, I can tell you for sure that like something inside of me like just leaps at it and is like, yes. I mean, it's exactly <laughs> what I what I want to go towards. And yeah. I don't know if you know. I don't know if this is unique to me or if this is a personality thing or if this is something that everybody goes through, but. I would, at least for myself, I would hazard a guess that I'm not, maybe you can't get to the Jomo until, I don't know, in a weird way, as you guys were talking, I was thinking almost about like date, like this analogy of like dating 
And I feel like I've been dating around and now like, well, I want to settle down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like I've gone on a lot of dates with a lot of different business models. And some yeah. of those were great. <laughs> and I like things about all of them. And then I just found one that's like, you know what? I like you. I, I want to see how far we can take this thing. And yeah. it's almost like you, for me anyway, that Jomo can't really come into play until I, until there's something in it for me, if that makes sense. Like I can have a, that joy of missing out knowing like what a lot, what enables me to pass on something attractive or appealing is knowing why I'm passing on it. And that's the missing yeah. piece that I haven't had. You know, like there yeah. was, I didn't have a horse in the race because I didn't know. I, I truly didn't know which direction this was going in. I just knew that it was all going. And so I was like, all right, let's just ride the wave. Let's just, let's just go. And now wow. that I see, like I found my one, I found my thing that I, I feel I've just scratched the surface on how successful it can be. And add on top of that, I freaking love working on it and I'm really good at it. Now I can have that joy of missing out because I'm looking at the other things saying, you know what? Like it's, it's tempting, but mm. uh, the more time I get to spend right here with this thing, here's what's in it for me. So I can, I feel yeah. like it has more inherent value to me because I've got a longer term vision around it. And that just wasn't possible for me in those first beginning innings. Mm. No, that's, that's huge. This idea. I love that what, the way you just said that you said, what enables me to pass on something is to know why I'm passing on it. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost like just being conscious that it's passable. It's not yes, getting so caught up, not, not, not being so caught up in the shininess of it. And they're like, oh, this is going to solve all my problems of it. Do you know what I mean? Which is like the, 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 the exhilaration. Like when I find out one of my f- favorite filmmakers is making a new movie, like I get so excited, you know, because it's like th- now I'll really get to get into that, like watching a film feeling again, you know, I'll really get to, to, to feel that thing. But more and more, like I find myself like, I don't know. Like I like, I love watching all the movies, but I'm not as absorbed in them as I used to be because I'm conscious of like, like what my kids are going to need in the morning. And I should kind of get some of that prepped up. Cause I always like it when the morning goes smooth. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. that's a, that's like a project in my life that I'm actually kind of excited about, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and when you're kind of excited about the, about the things in life that are making your life go smoother and better, that, that, that for me is like a reason why to pass on something. Or to like, to not, and so I, I end up not like, like I used to be the, the, the life of the party and the personality that like would walk into a room and, and have to be the one that everyone was looking at. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it just, it just was, it just, I, I'm just exhausted by that. I'm just so exhausted by that now. You know, it's such mm-hmm. an exhausting um, prospect for me to need to be that guy. Uh, and now I find that I, like I still am able to be, uh, to have moments like that, that people are appreciative of and like, like that I was, they like who I am, but I'm not having to whore myself out. You know, I'm not having mm-hmm. to actual pro- actually prostitute my sense of who I am to, to make other people feel something that they want to feel f- about me or something like that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that, that for me is, is all related to this. And this whole conversation is all related to the very simple concept of extrinsic motivation or intrinsic motivation, you know? Mm-hmm. And to, to hear that little, that little, like that little wisp of a voice, that little f- feeling of warmth or whatever, that scent that comes from a real internal motivation. At first, that's like really kind of hard to pay attention to. 
you know, mm-hmm. but you, but over time it, it gets louder and louder because you're realizing like, that's the, that's your, that's the thing you love. Like your, like your, your ability to feel that thing is like your ability to feel like life is worth it. <laughs> Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's mm-hmm. like my, I literally call it like the joie de vivre, the joie de vivre. As we were talking about on one of those, the jar de vive with the, just the, 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 the spirit of life, the sort of the, the zest of it, yeah. the, 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 you know, it's like, it's, it's got some citrus. It's like, I, I always think about it as like a good cocktail, like great cocktails, like Corbett will make like a great cocktail. It's like, Corbett, what's that one? What's the name of the one with the grapefruit and tequila? Is there, is there like, is that called like a Diablo or something like that? Mm, it's, it's like a Paloma, but we like to a add Paloma. Campari to it. Yeah, Paloma with a little bit of grapefruit, a little bit of mezcal or tequila, and a little bit of uh, of Campari. And it's just like, it's got the freshness and the zest. It's got a balance to it. It's got this like age sort of bitterness. It's got the, the, the spice of the tequila and the alcohol burn. It's just got it all together and it's cold. And like literally it's, it's condensation on the edge of the cup. It's like, it's joie de vivre, baby. It's zest. It's life. It's like, it, and, and, it's, and it's good. It's good. And so anyways, this sense of, um, of internal versus external motivation to me or intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation is like really what we're talking about. And I mean, I remember, I remember being at some like cheesy ass business conference where someone was talking about this a while ago. I remember some fucking lame Gary Vaynerchuk video that I watched, you know what I mean? That like, he was just, just literally, he was just talking about, he was like literally Gary Vaynerchuk's character. He's he's literally just like, I don't know why you are not getting this. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I, I like, I don't understand why you people are having such a hard time getting this. Like you can be motivated by what other people think, or you can just be motivated about what you want and you just go after what you want. And if you don't know what you want, then figure out what you want and go after it. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? And it's, and it's like, the, the, to me, the challenge is, I, what I really resonate with and what, you know, quote, holds space for with people is that, that feeling of not knowing what you really want. Like you do deep down, but you're so out of touch with yourself that it's actually, this is going to take some time to figure out. And what I love so much about your stuff, your story stuff, is that it's like, you're just, it's just time. And it hasn't actually been that much time at all all yeah. like at all for you to learn mm-hmm. the level of things that you've learned about. And I love that dating m- like modality of like, I've dated a lot of business models, but <laughs> there's this one that's really caught my eye and I want to spend more time with him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I want yeah. to see where this and thing I think could if go. For, if, yeah. And I think for people listening to like, I'm glad that you, that you sort of started to go in this direction. I, I know that there are some people listening who I, cause I feel like we hear this all the time where they're like, yeah, but I don't know what that thing is. Like, what's my thing going to be? And to those people, I just want to say like, just go back to, you know, maybe 20 minutes in this conversation we were talking about, if you don't know yet, you don't have to force that. I certainly couldn't have, like, there's just no way I, I, I just couldn't have, it's not possible. So in the meantime, do that experimentation, do the tinkering and just trust that you will know what to do. I, I see so much frustration and I have felt it myself. It's like that feeling when you're just grasping and you're like, I know that there's something here. I don't know what it is. And I see people being really hard on themselves about that. They're like, if I could just find it. And I, what I've learned so far is I don't think that that finding it comes from muscle or effort or just wanting it to be true. You want it to reveal yeah. itself so that it does. 
it just doesn't like, you know, for me, the course that I launched, which is the direction that I'm wanting to go in in 2019 came from the work that I did before it. I cre- I've talked about this on the podcast. I created a system that I'm now teaching to other people. It was not premeditated. It was not something that I knew at all at the onset of turning this into a business. It just kind of revealed itself and I wanted it to happen like instantly, but it didn't. And so you just kind of have to keep going and keep riding the wave and keep playing with stuff until that little voice is like, Oh, oh, hold like it's like a metal detector. It's like, hold on. There's there's really something here and, and have fun with it until then. I mean, that's what I would tell myself. And and then when you get to that point, like let yourself chill out. (laughs) It's like me talking to me right now is like, it's okay to take a step back and just be a little bit more particular about where the whole thing's heading. So I I think one of the things I want to hear from Corbett is there's some people who have been listening to this and um, don't ne- don't resonate with it. They're interested in it. There's definitely there's something that's like yeah, there's something good in this conversation. But um, maybe they have like actually a, a a a kind of a solid sense of of the vision in the same way that you did, Corbett, when you were coming up with the idea for Fizzle before we even partnered together to make it. Before you know, when it was just an idea, like hatching in, in your brain, and it was related to like how you've launched courses and how you felt like there was always this community part missing and this sense of like the launch model just felt weird. You just like why it should always be available. This is the kind of thing people are expecting, and so you were imagining this whole new business model for the kind of training that you had been giving to people and um and you saw these problems and you wanted to create the solution to it that would actually make it work so you had this vision and you were at a stage in your entrepreneurial journey where you like like you had experienced all the things that steph's just experienced in the last couple years you had done all this one-on-one stuff you'd done all this consulting stuff you'd done all this like actual like vc backed starting a business stuff you'd done the this like growing something from nothing thing this blogging just like writing and growing something from nothing and just being known like being being known as someone who writes about these things that other people are paying attention to. You'd done all that work to discover all of these things about your identity and what you wanted and what your vision was and all this other shit. And then you, and then you have the vision for, for fizzle. And so when you, when you approach that, you always, you, you definitely felt very cool and calm about it to me. You felt very calm about it. And oftentimes when ideas for me, I get into the space of like, Oh dude, this is going to change everything. Like, this is the thing I've been waiting for, right? It's that energy that like, this is what I've been waiting for. This is going to solve all my problems, right? And I tend to, and I tend to sort of like get, get, I lose my equilibrium sometimes in that excitement that, uh, that things are working out for me, maybe, you know, cause I still, the truth is I still have a bunch of fear that they're actually not. Cause I don't have the, I don't have the personal power and the strength and the intelligence and the relationships that like make me feel like it's going to go smoothly, no matter what, like, like even if this thing doesn't work, it's not going to go. It, it, it like that, that feeling that like things that life is going to go okay for me, whether or not this one thing works out. Do you know what I mean? Like that is a big, that is the ability to give yourself a sense of personal power and a sense of self. And so Corbett, from your perspective, that's how I, though, from my perspective, that's how I experienced the, the, how you were holding that vision for fizzle. And, and really it helps me understand why the entire time through the last five years of building fizzle, you've really, you've, you, like all of the details have shifted and changed. There's millions of experiments that we've done, but there's this, this kind of hardcore, um, uh, almost like a rudder. You know what I mean? Or almost like a keel at the bottom of a sailboat, the thing that like keeps it from tipping over that goes down underneath right from the center and it's so- and it's just solid through. 
Do you know what I mean? It doesn't cheer, it doesn't turn to make you turn. Like the rudder is a different thing. This is just like a, a solid piece built into the hull of the boat that keeps it, you know, on its line, so to speak. You know, and gives it the it actually gives it the ability to turn without t- tipping over. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just actually a perfect metaphor. The more I'm thinking about it, so the that sense from you, I'm wondering, like. What advice do you have for people who who feel like they're they've kind of got a sense of that, but it's it's really scary to think about, or it's like not that it's even it maybe it's not even really scary to think about. It's just like they maybe feel lazy, they maybe feel not like putting all of their eggs in that basket. They may for a lot of reasons they're not taking it soup like like they're maybe not giving it their all yet. They haven't they haven't learned that they can give it their all yet. So from that perspective, given your experience. Um, what, what would you say to someone like that as you, as you like, from what you've learned doing this the last five years? Like someone like Steph, basically. I guess where Steph is now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think a lot of people look at Steph now and, and wish they would have had the experience that she's had over the last few years. Yeah. And like wonder how they can get that experience for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I, I think we should be clear that for most of us, I think that the experimentation phase is necessary and mm-hmm. it may feel crazy and, um, haphazard and, uh, wrong in some ways. But, it, but also at the same time, when you've got that energy, sometimes that experimentation phase is really fun and, uh, you can kind of feed on that energy. I interviewed Danielle Laporte a long time ago for a different project. And she's always full of like so much amazing wisdom. And I asked her about like what kind of advice she would give someone who was um, just starting out and kind of didn't know what to work on or what to focus on first. And she said, you should do the thing that will earn you the most money the quickest in the beginning. Because once you have that runway problem or that needing to put food on my table problem or having to worry about a, you know, day job problem solved, then your whole demeanor can change and you can suddenly become that confident person who knows that no matter, you know, if I make a mistake now, like charting the path forward, at least I've got the money problem solved and it just makes you a lot more clear headed. Now, some people are driven by different things. Like Chase, I think is, is driven by different things and money doesn't affect him in the same way. But for me, that was an incredibly powerful thing because it's true. If I know that at a bare minimum, I can afford my lifestyle. I don't have to go find a day job. Then all of the like strategic long-term thinking stuff just becomes so much easier uh, because I don't feel like I have to run around and, you know, really sweat it. I don't like being in that pressured kind of situation. So I don't know if this works for everybody, but for Steph now, clearly um, she's tried, you know, as she said, like 10 different things and several of them have worked out to the point that she could probably ride any one of those to success. And so now you get to change modes from, I just need to like make revenue to what do I want to do? What do I feel like has more long-term potential and really just start to think more long-term and, and strategic. And that's a fun place to be. It doesn't mean that you're going to have all the answers uh, and you're still going to have plenty of doubt about it, but you should at least feel like you have 
uh, enough of a solid foundation to be able to chart a course for 12 to 18 to 24 months and see where it goes. And then you can reevaluate and know that, you know, if you don't head exactly where you want to go, you're still going to be okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Steph, thank you so much for sharing uh, your literal <laughs> journal with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks, thanks for the space to process out loud. It was fun for me too. Hopefully it was I, helpful to those listening. I love these kinds of conversations where like to me, like real pro like actual processing is just like, I have all the energy in the world for that all the time being in, like where people are really processing and really kind of going, especially people who are capable, who are, who are really like, like they're, they're seeing the possibilities and things and they're, they're like excited, but it's like nervous and scary. And I'm going to have to put my ass on the line for one of these things. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's a, mm-hmm. a it's a, it's exciting to be around someone who's, who's, who's just open to to like going like here's how i'm seeing it right now and uh and i'm realizing that i need to make a few updates to my operating system or so do you know what i mean it's just it's awesome it's so good um and corbett as always thanks for being the keel on the boat always and having having the wisdom and uh i guess that's it you guys for episode 290 so if you want any of the show notes and, and like sort of the outline of what we get into when and, you know, the timetable on when you can jump back into the podcast and listen to different stuff, you can get the show notes. Uh, this is episode 290. So fizzleshow.co slash 290 is where you can find all of that. And as always, if you haven't tried out Fizzle membership yet, you can get five weeks for free. All sorts of courses. Just need to know this. Tons of courses, especially things that you need on like Steph's goals course. Like what are your actual vision and values type stuff? that's in there that will blow your mind my journaling course what's a daily practice of how to like get yourself in your mission and in your sort of the right mindset and get your head straight every single day in like five minutes that course is in there uh corbett's grow your email list to ten thousand subscribers and beyond that's the meat and potatoes of what allows steph to be able to sell a workshop retreat sort of thing for a weekend and sell it out and it wasn't a cheap ticket do you know what I mean? It wasn't like just like some $200 thing, right? And and 14 women just jumped at it because they were like, yes, I want this, right? Because of the relationships that she had built with them through her content. And a lot of that comes from the the way of, uh, of getting an offer in, someone, in front of someone through email, right? In a way that they actually can take take action on it and that's just like still one of the bread and butters you want to get your butt you want to get your bread buttered that's one of the things that we got to use so corbett's throw your email list to ten thousand subscribers and beyond those are just three courses of like the more than 40 courses that we have inside of fizzle and that's not even the main attraction because once you're in there and you've got a community of people you can you can sort of give and take and do some feedback and question and answer with it might not be at like the level that you you would get if you paid you know fifteen hundred dollars to go to a mastermind group with a handful of people you're not paying fifteen hundred dollars to go to a mastermind group you're literally able to fire off a question right now in the forums right it's so powerful and then the group coaching every friday with fizzle friday calls and stuff like that you might want to check out fizzle fizzle.co slash try five we made a special link so you can get five weeks for free just for listeners of this podcast right so you're the only person that's hearing about that because you listen to the show fizzle.co slash try five to get five weeks of fizzle for free cancel anytime no contracts or nothing like that all right that's it thank you for listening and we'll see you next week on the fizzle show find care take care serve hard and dig in y'all bye-bye